back to the First with First podcast. Uh, I'm Alan Johnsey, the Director of Ministries here at First United Methodist Church in Marion, Virginia. And I'm here, as always, with our pastor, James Bennington. Hi there. And uh, we are continuing our conversation, uh, kind of second part of this first season of the podcast, where we've been discussing the the issues, the divisiveness within the church, within our denomination, but we've moved on now to what unites us, and there's much more that unites us than would divide us, Indeed. Uh, and so we are very excited to be in this part of the conversation. I'm enjoying this much more uh, than the other, and uh, today we talk about some key beliefs that uh, we hold in common uh, as, as Methodists, as Christians. And, uh, and, and continuing to, to kind of reference uh, the bishop and the bishop's days that she held in, in all of the districts in, in our conference, uh, which was, was so good. And so uh, we'll get right into uh, some key beliefs that we hold. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when we had the bishop days, when, when Bishop Deborah Wallace Paget was, was in our district and, and, and she, she met with us, she had a time to meet with the clergy. She had a time to meet with the laity, uh, and it was just a. It was just. I think it was. It was a really good day because she laid out kind of this. This what she didn't kind of. She she laid out a vision for how things can be and how we can be together, um, and that was nice because. I mean, well, it was more than nice. It was. It was. Um, so so meaningful because. You know, up until that point, there are people who had thoughts and ideas, but nothing that was coming from, I guess, an authoritative view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when the bishop comes and and she shared, it's it's you know it's you know for us as Methodists in our system, I mean, our bishop is the one who is the the overseer of the conference. I mean, the the under shepherd to the shepherd. For Holston, and so it was great to hear from her and what she had to share, and and one of the things that she shared, as we've been discussing, has been some of the key beliefs. I mean that that we share and hold, hold in kind, not only, not only with other Methodists uh, in the family tree, you know, Wesleyans, Nazarenes, um, Free Methodists, and so forth. But other denominations, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Baptists, but these are beliefs that we hold in kind even with those who are choosing to step away and disaffiliate. That's how key and common these beliefs are. Now, the expression, the interpretation is is what you know kind of gets us in a sense of oh that's different mm-hmm. um, you know case in point um, you know Baptists will have a very different view of baptism mm-hmm. than Methodists well which one is right it's not a question of who's right and who's not it's a question of well, this is the Baptist view of baptism. This is the Methodist view of baptism. It's not about a, a one's wrong and one's correct. It's about a uh, here's how we're interpreting baptism for the life of faith and following Jesus, knowing God. 
And so, you know, I think that's that's important to understand that the the expression of, the interpretation of some of these beliefs um, creates a sense of, well, you know, that's not the the garden I'm going to grow in. I'm going to grow in this garden Mm -hmm. over here. Mm -hmm. So if you can think about denominations as a garden. But one of the key beliefs that we hold is a very high view of the authority of Scripture. uh, When the Wesleyan quadrilateral was put forward um, years ago, uh, the the quad being like you know the square, Mm -hmm. uh, you got four sides of a square. You have reason, tradition, experience, and Scripture, and so. Uh, these are all means by which we know God, understand God, interact with God, relate to God, serve God, love God. Uh, but it, Scripture is always given greater weight in that four. Right. So if, you know, well, our, 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 our experience tells us this, but Scripture tells us this, we go with Scripture. But our experience, uh-huh, but... Scripture is what informs the experience. So if the experience isn't matching up with Scripture, eh, Scripture has has a little more weight in that conversation. Right. That, that, that's just an example. Um, and, and so understanding that, that Scripture, the Bible, is God's Word. It is God's Word given to us to know who God is, to know that there is a God, um, and that we believe in the, the, the truth that is found in the Old and the New Testament. Uh, and so that the Scripture is a guide for life. It's a guide for knowing how to live and what is important in life. Um, and that Scripture informs our behavior and our thinking. You know, it's not that I'm going to make the Bible fit my life. My life needs to fit the Bible. Um, because it's not just a good guidebook, it is God's Word. It is a living Word. And this is what Methodists hold to. It's what, it's what they've always held to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of flares up in the, in the current debate is, well, the, you know, the United Methodists don't hold to a high view of Scripture. Well, that that's a talking point in order to forward, I think, a, a particular position. Um, United Methodists have always held a high view of Scripture. Um, Wesley said, John Wesley, our founder, said, um, I am a man of one book, and that book is the Bible. And so uh, the, who we are, how we are, um, is very much centered on, focused on Scripture and its content. Yeah, well, that, that's something that, uh, and, and you know, if you all have been listening uh, to our episodes, you know, and, and know some, maybe you know me and some of my background, you know, I, I that that's one of the things for years where, where I came up in, in, in the tradition uh, that I came up through, uh, hearing about Methodism in general was that, uh, you know, well, yeah, they don't really believe the Bible, you know, and and uh, and that's that's one of those stereotypes that that gets thrown around. But then, when when I started coming to church here, in in the preaching and the teaching, I, I didn't I, I found the exact opposite of that. And then um, 
you gave me a, a book of discipline, which admittedly I haven't read much of, but I have read the the first parts of doctrine and uh, and the views on on the Bible, and it's it's as solid as solid can be. It 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 is a solid, but it's it's not you know it's not like beach reading. <laughs> sure. It's it's not sure. like ooh. I want to read for fun here at the bedtime. Now, I did. I did go to seminary with a fellow who. I mean, his way to relax. Okay, you know, for me, I mean, I, I, you know, a good mystery, a good work mm-hmm. of fiction, uh, something that's really engaging that way, and you know, uh, so, but you know, uh, uh, something that's not necessarily religious or churchy, uh, just kind of a different, yeah. kind of a different kind of read. No, no, no. He he relaxed. Relaxed, Alan. Relaxed. Okay, reading Augustine oh. and Tertullian. Yeah, real and, light reading. Oh, <laughs> light reading. You know, um, Athanasius' yeah. work on the resurrection. I mean, <laughs> whoo, I'm like, wow, that's, mm, you know. And, and he's like, I said that to relax? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I read it to relax. And, and I, you know, the thing is, I just... You know, it just relaxes me so much I get sleepy. And I'm like, I'm just getting sleepy thinking about, you know, bedtime reading. Ooh, Augustine's Confessions. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I mean, yes. it's good stuff. It's just not, you know. It does make your brain tired. Well, it does. It does. Because, <laughs> it it, I mean, it's deep. It's not yes. It's not light stuff by any stretch. But, yes. so. so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the high view of Scripture has been there. It's always been there. It's going to remain to be there. I mean, and, and going forward, as we look at <clears throat> going forward, you know, the Scripture is going to be more of an emphasis and, and have, a I think, a, a greater place, uh, a more significant place uh, in, our, in our being and doing. Um, you, you know, we also, Methodists, all, always have had and uh, still have a very um, keen understanding of the Holy Spirit at work. And I've often come to believe in in the years that I've been a minister that the Holy Spirit is probably the underspoken of member of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, God, God the Father, the Creator, the, the... the, the one who set the, set the set everything in motion and got going Jesus the son you know the the the, the full payment of sin the full payment for sin on the cross the one who resurrected from the dead and then the Holy Spirit is is God active and at work now in some very definite and profound ways and so this work of the Holy Spirit um, God with us um, it's not like Jesus, well, Jesus, uh, you know, God incarnate, God with us. And then when Jesus ascended to heaven, well, God's gone. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave, which was, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you orphaned, he said. Uh, I'm going to send um, a guide, a counselor, a comforter, a teacher to be with you. Yeah, there as I, I, I think on that, there was even this kind of uh, this feel when Jesus was telling his disciples because they were like, "Well, no, we don't want you to go, obviously." 
and and he was on, he was like, well, actually, I, I need to go so that the Holy Spirit can come because it's going to be awesome. You know, you you want this to happen. You want me to go so he can come. Uh, you know, and and I don't know why. Well, I have ideas why the Holy Spirit kind of has plays second fiddle, but to to the other. Um, but really shouldn't, and and that's a, such an important part of our life together as Christians and as the church, uh, and and the Holy Spirit leading and moving and working, and uh, that that's what makes it all work. And and, it, and it's what it's what is so significant. I mean, if somebody said, "Well, gosh, so and so went down." Uh, front and and said they want to be a Christian. How did that happen? Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Somebody said they wanted to. They were feeling a, a call to to be a minister. Holy Spirit. Somebody said they want to, you know, go on a short term mission or even be a long term, going being long term missionary work. What brought that about? Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I was. Uh, I was I was at the I was driving down the road and I saw this fella and he was just standing on the road and just something said Go get the guy a hamburger. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, usually I just drive by. What what made that happen? Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well um you know, somebody says, Well, I I've been doing something and you know, I whew, it's you know, probably not the Probably not the best. It would be embarrassing if somebody found out about it. But man, my my heart's just really wrestling and trying to think. I I just I need to turn away from that. I, I really need to, you know, kind of get get back on the right track. What's that? Holy Spirit. All of those things are examples and 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 illustrations of the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit doing and. And it's, you know, it's it's not like, you know, Jesus went away and, well, we're just going to hang around until the second coming. And things will get geared up again. No, no, no. I mean, Jesus went away. The Holy Spirit comes. And the continuation of what Jesus started in his three years of ministry, it's, it's continuing on. It continued on with the apostles. Mm-hmm. It continued on. Uh, with the early church, it continues on now yeah. in 2023. That is the Holy Spirit at work. And so just any and every mainstream denomination has an understanding in the sure. view of the Holy Spirit, some some more so than others. Our, our, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters would have a more articulated, demonstrative way of expressing that and talking about that than maybe a Methodist would. Sure. You know, um, uh, Lutherans might be a little more, not that I, I, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of Lutherans, but the ones that I know, a little more reserved with that. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it, there's not a right or a wrong. It's just, this is, this is how the interpretation, the understanding comes about and is lived out. So, um, you know, one of the other things that 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 we hold in in, in kind uh, 
and together is and and going forward as we look at what you know is, is some ch- churches are, are choosing to disaffiliate and to to move in a different direction one of the things that that we, we hold in kind are as an emphasis on the on uh, on the sacraments um Methodists look at two sacraments, um, and most mainstream denominations do. They look at, and again, the interpretation mm-hmm. differs, sure. but we, we hold to uh, baptism and Holy Communion. And baptism is God's act toward us to claim us, to seal us. It's one reason, it's one, one reason that goes into the thought behind uh, why we baptize infants, mm-hmm. um, and then Holy Communion. We believe in presence by faith. That 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 in a sacrament, a sacrament defined as when the presence of God is unique and pronounced, and that in Holy Communion, in in the body and blood, bread and juice, that it's in that moment with those elements that. God is more present in that moment than a lot of the of the other moments, um, and so there's a real sense in which, uh, in the practice of the sacraments, we're closer to God than the times we're not engaged in the sacraments. Wesley, John Wesley, would have been, and I imagine this comes from his Anglican roots. He would have been just tickled to death if you know had communion every Sunday mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know here here's a here's a, a, a preacher nerd kind of thing coming out right now um, if you if you go into a sanctuary and a sanctuary of, of most any church and you see what's called a split chancel mm-hmm. that area up front going toward where the altar is that's called a chancel area and then you'll, if you'll, it's a split chancel. The pulpit is to one side, the lectern is to one side, and what's right in the middle is the altar. That is a sacramental church, a church that that gives a particular place and focus to the sacraments. If you go into a, uh, um, if you go into a sanctuary, and you, and you look at the chancel, and you see the pulpit in the middle. And, and usually the altar is in the middle as well. That's a that's a word focused uh, uh, church denomination. the 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 word is thought to be primary over the sacraments, whereas in Methodism we see the sacraments having a more central place. And here again, some folks are going to get into oh, so the Methodists think you know communion is more important than the word. No, it's it's the focus that is had. It is it is the emphasis that is had. Um, you know, it it it's it, it gives a it gives expression and understanding to who we're going to be and how we're going to be. And again, it's not oh, which one's better, uh, word focused or sacrament focused? Well, it's not a question of of better. It's a question of this is how this denomination expresses it this way. This is how this denomination expresses it that way. I mean, in some Methodist churches, you'll find the 
the pulpit in the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some Baptist churches, which would traditionally have more of a word centering, you'll see a split chancel mm-hmm. with the altar in the middle. So there's not really a, you know, you'll 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 see it one way or another depending on the name that's on the the sign outside. But just that there's that emphasis and that I like to think of a Holy Communion as uh, we're on the journey of faith. That might be an overused metaphor for um, understanding the, the Christian life and the Christian walk. We're on the journey of faith, and um, the Holy Communion is food for the journey. And so it is with Holy Communion that I'm able to connect and have my energy up and I'm able to engage and um, I, I need Holy Communion and I feel very blessed to be in a position where I have the opportunity to consecrate the elements and offer communion in worship on a regular basis. Um, baptism reminds us that we're that all of us at some point um, in the Methodist tradition, have been baptized, and we're always invited to seek baptism if we haven't been baptized previously. And then every year, usually around the first year, we have a service of renewal and reaffirmation of our baptism. So that's pretty cool where we get to engage in that, in that remembering that we are baptized and that, you know, I, I don't baptize anybody. It's God who does the baptizing. Um, and so the, the emphasis on those two things, those two sacraments, give, give, I think gives some art definition, articulation about what our life is together. Mm-hmm. Those have been especially meaningful things for me coming into this tradition and, and this church, uh, both of those. The renewal, uh, the renewal reaffirmation of baptism services, uh, uh, communion, uh, we do here monthly. Um, it's taking on a, a different from 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 what I grew up in, um, and again, like not not to, not to say right or wrong, but has for me personally become uh, more meaningful. Um, you know, interesting interesting story from from my my time as a pastor. Um, when I served a church at uh, in Emory, Virginia, the church on the Emory campus, Emory United Methodist Church. Um, I had the chance, the opportunity to officiate a wedding um, between uh, a couple. One was a member of my congregation. The other was a member of a Roman Catholic congregation. And they wanted to have a a joint service. And so we, we, we agreed to do that. And so I, I told the, the bride, I said, well, you know, I need to I need to meet with with the priest as we're going to do this together because um, I know in the Roman Catholic tradition that that um, a Holy Communion Eucharist is offered at the wedding, so mm-hmm. uh, we needed to work all that out. So uh, Father Bob Father Bob Krennic, uh, I believe he is deceased now, but. Uh, Father Bob Krennic, uh, he and I met and we talked, and um, 
just a just a, a really joyful meeting. I mean, it was just great. We connected and talked, and you know, he was certainly of, a, of another g- generation of of minister than I was. I mean, we obviously had some differences being Protestant and Catholic, mm-hmm. and um, um, we we were were talking about how we were going to offer communion and, and Eucharist at the service. So we finally agreed on, you know, that there would be one line of of uh, for Roman Catholics and there would be another line for for Protestants and basically other, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if if folks were in in course in his line he would have the sacramental wine and, and the Eucharist, the host and and then in 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 the line I had, I'd have the grape juice and and the the bread. And so we, we worked at not a problem, not a problem in the world with figuring that out. Um, and he said, well, now, I, I need to go over the liturgy with you a little bit because we need to talk about that. I said, okay. He said, well, now, this is the way our communion liturgy starts out. And the Lord be with you. And I said, and also with you. And he looked at me and he smiled and he goes, we lift our hearts up to the Lord. Let us lift, let us lift, up our, uh, uh, let us lift our hearts up to the Lord. It is right and a good thing. To, and so, yeah. anyway, I'm stumbling a little bit. Yeah. But but the whole thing was the liturgy that he was using for the for the Mass, for Eucharist, was not that different than what we use to celebrate communion. So that just emphasized that connection. There. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was just, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, um, uh, some, I, I guess I anticipated it being stressful mm-hmm. just because of the difference. No, no. I mean, I think Father Father Krennic and I worked very well to to bring that about, and we I think we both learned something from each other. Yeah. Um, and so the the uh, you know I know some of our Baptist brother and sisters will look at communion more as a memorial mm-hmm. than a sacrament. I know um, some of our Roman Catholic as well as Episcopal brothers and sisters will look at. The doctrine of consubstantiation, mm-hmm. or Episcopalians will look at a consubstantiation. Mm-hmm. Catholics look at it from transubstantiation. Um, those are those are two of my very favorite uh, theology words. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can throw you can throw those out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones is is, is soteriology. Oh, it's a good one. And um, you know the or uh, he, here here's one that that I read in a commentary every once in a while. You know, it's the salvific work of Christ. Salvific. <laughs> you, you know, uh, uh, where, where I grew up, it's like, yeah, mm, James using some of them 50-cent words, isn't he? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say, well, uh, Harold and Rosemary, my parents, they spent a lot of money on, on me learning those 50-cent <laughs> words, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop them out every once in a while. You know, so... Um, so you know the sacraments are are very key. Are very key. Uh, you know one of the one of the emphases that has been a part of Methodism before and is an emphasis now, and probably will have greater uh, a, a renewed interest will be um, the partnership between laity and clergy. This is something we've had for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that got a, a real uh, kind of a kickoff and a springboard 
in uh, in 2000 when uh, you know the millennium changed and and we we started kind of looking looking ahead more and and it has been there and uh, there's been a lot of work on the part of laity to have not just the lay speaker program but the lay uh, servant program and then the lay minister program and so those are those are some new things since 2016 that have have taken on a life and are, are significant and um, that partnership between laity and clergy it's very hard for laity to have church without a clergy person to guide and lead that congregation and it's very hard for a clergy person to pastor a church when there are no people to pastor so the the connection is is somewhat obvious and that there's a partnership between the two i mean honestly alan there is no way in this world that i could do anything at first church if it weren't for the good folks uh, watching online and, and here on sunday in sunday out that take part show up get involved um are a part of the life of this place. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry is not something that I do or the staff does. Um, ministry is something that everyone here, clergy, staff, and laity, something we all do together. We engage together. And going forward, as a, as, a, as a church, um, and especially as we start to kind of figure out some new things, new ways of doing things, it is going to be essential and core that the laity and the clergy have um, have good relationship that way and, and really see themselves as in partnership, that it's not just, well, clergy person so-and-so said, well, no, what... In some cases, that that still might apply, but it's going to be more about the the partnership, that connection that clergy and laity have together, in order to to f- go forward in mission. That's, that's a very Methodist thing, it seems like to me. Too oh, looking at some history, very Methodist. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, and I don't I don't say that flippantly. Well, no, 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 and um, I don't I don't uh, say uh, very uh, Methodist uh, flippantly uh, either. I mean, it is very Methodist. Uh, yeah, I'm. I look back at the, just the history of this church. Uh, which I've I've done some looking into, you know, and so so Methodism here in Marion, Smith County, started with a just a Methodist class, and it was all lay people, you know. Um, there would have been the circuit riding uh, clergy that would come through, but they weren't here all the time as they were traveling, and and uh, you know so you it, it's a very um, lay person movement. Uh, very much so, yeah. very much so. I mean, um, that's such a key point, a great, great historical point. I mean, the, uh, in the Americas, in the 1700s and on, um, you had you had circuit riders, and that's that's the nomer, one nomer that's very, um, very much associated with with Methodist. I mean, clergy would have you know a 10, 15 point charge. Mm-hmm. And they're on horseback, going through the the territory, and they're spending time at a, at a church, and then you know the next week they're at another church, and you know it it could be 
six, seven weeks before you saw your pastor again. Yeah. And that, two things were important about that. When that pastor came, that's when communion was had. And the other time, lay leaders, folks in that congregation, they pulled people together. They met. They kept, they kept the church going. And if it weren't for laity, the church, I mean, the church, uh, the, the lay movement, the lay involvement, the lay, uh, the lay emphasis, if it weren't for that, the church would just fold. So that, that connection is there. And going forward, as we come out past a lot of the, you know, disfiliations and people separating and so forth, as we, as we get past that, we will um, then be, um, you know, kind of saying, well, okay, now how are we, how we going to move forward? And I think one of the key things that we would be moving forward on is that that renewed, greater emphasis um, partnership on laity and clergy. Being partners. You know. uh, and and this, you know, this this really gets this really gets um, one of the the central, if not the central point of some of the 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 things that we're going to be sharing together, but is going to have a renewed and deepened emphasis within the church is on a discipleship and mission. Um, I think I've shared this before that you know umpteen years ago, when I first started as a pastor in nineteen ninety five it would be, oh, how many people do you have on the roll? Um, you'd say, well, I got 1,200 on the roll. Ooh, you're at a 1,200-member church. Only 100 of them come, but you're at a 1,200-member church. Uh, and then it, it, it moved to uh, the AWA, the average worship attendance. And so uh, I've known some churches to have, you know, I served a church that had, uh, 38 on the roll and 47 in attendance when I was serving a circuit. And so that, that that said something about the strength of that congregation. I've known some churches to have, um, you know, 500 on the roll and 700 in attendance. I mean, it's fr- pretty significant. Uh, and, and so that was kind of the that was kind of the thing. What's your average worship attendance? Well, we've we've got uh, 300 on the roll and. 20 in attendance. Well, or we've got uh, you know 300 on the roll and 400 in attendance. Well, okay. Uh, but now that that's really not the the kind of the marker anymore. It's it's like what is your church doing in the community to make a difference? What is your church doing in the in your community to make your community better? Um, Lovett Weems, one of the great thinkers in Methodism said, you know, one question that your church can ask, if your church closed today, would anybody miss it? Um, and and say, so I think yes, for a lot of reasons. Um, one being very obvious would be the food pantry. But I think, I think our church has been trying to be engaged in a way that makes Marion a better place to live. And going forward 
not just a matter of, all right, now that we've kind of come through this bumpy time where folks are going to disaffiliate and a split is likely, but getting back to basics. You know, um, just simply getting back to the, to the basics of things and things not being so complicated. You know, I I I, I kind of I kind of take a, 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 a I guess learning point from Starbucks. Um, Starbucks years ago, you know, you go into Starbucks and you can get cookies and sandwiches and CDs and coffee supplies and I mean, just I think they even sold Starbucks furniture at one point. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just, it, you know, just it, it, it was just a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, the CEO of Starbucks said, N- no, no, we just need to get back to basics. So, I mean, they still have some cookies and little goodies like that to have with your coffee, but the focus is on coffee, mm-hmm. grinding coffee, making coffee, iced coffee, um, real high test, you know, double shot espresso coffee. Coffee, different types of coffee, coffee. We're going to talk about coffee. Why? Because we're coffee. So they got back to kind of this basics understanding. And part of our, one of the basic understandings of who we are and what we're about is, you know, our mission. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And the best place that 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 disciple making takes place is in the local church. And so... That's one of the things that I think we, 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 we hold in kind with one another. Um, you know, living in Marion, being in Marion, how am I going to express my faith in Marion? I'm going to express it through being a part of my church, serving, doing, and being involved. And that, that's, that's not only how I'm going to help contribute to make Marion better, but it's how I'm going to make myself better and and make myself better and a more faithful, authentic follower of Jesus. It's one of the things that that has saddened me the most, I guess, through all of this is that it's taken uh, so much of the focus and the time and attention away from what we're actually really here for, and and that's the mission to make disciples. And... uh, in, instead, of, I, I, th- I, I really, I really believe that's one of the greatest tools of of the enemy, Satan, mm. uh, to to distract us and to keep us kind of fighting and bickering amongst ourselves, uh, and and instead of being about what what Jesus so clearly told us to do. Well, the the the, the passions and perspectives on on what has brought about this split impending split and the division has got folks very much focused on um, you know inclusivity and and biblical authority Um, I have said before and I will say again and to date no one's really taken me to task to prove me wrong but the the issue in the church that has brought us to this point of divide and separation is not, hear me, it's not about LBGTQ. 
Now, that, that's, that's, the, that's the cover it has on it. That's the face it has on it. But I don't, I, at the core, I don't think that that's the issue. I think the, the issue is really about power and control. Who is going to tell who what about how we're going to be and what we're going to do? And um, I, I think there's a, a real kind of, kind of a lust for power in some respects um, and a desire for power. And so, you know, the, the package that, that, that that whole power dynamic is playing out is in this debate over LBGTQ. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's not to say that I don't think there are concerns there and, and issues there and ministry there. No, no, I do. But to, to say that, yeah, these churches are going to disaffiliate and, and folks are going to split and leave the denomination and go to another denomination because over, over um, uh, an issue of inclusive, inclusiveness over LBGTQ, I mean, that, I think that's just naive. I mean, there are probably some folks that feel that strongly about it, but the the real matter is is not so much. Well, we want to make an LBGTQ free environment in a denomination, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas the the uh, the global Methodist Church says, well, you know, we're, we're just not really even going to talk about it. We're just, you know, we're not. It's 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 it's, it's th- th- they'll say it's not about that issue. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, but I think I think that's the package. The, it's mm-hmm. really about power and control. Who gets to have the say? Who gets to dictate the path that we take? And I, I, I do think, in sincerity, I do think that's one of the things that Paul warned about, the principalities and powers. In the meantime, as we've debated over this, especially in the last 10 years, more more so than before, but this has been going on, this debate, this issue, has been going on since 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you've got sides kind of going at one another, especially uh, uh, called conferences, uh, efforts extended toward um, arguing and, and fussing and figuring things out. And in the meantime, in the meantime, People are not being fed. People who are lost are not being found. The lonely have nobody to come alongside them. There are children and youth that are just kind of free-floating. There's folks that their addictions are becoming more addicted. There are, there are places in the world where the gospel needs to be shared, and it's not. And a lot of folks that feel like they're the last are still last. And I think the devil sees all of this, and just, if you can imagine, just kind of, wringing one's hands kind of like with ha ha um, you know and goes my plan is working great yeah now mind you that's a personal perspective um uh, that is not an endorsement of any certain theological position by a denomination that's just james bennington and his two cents 
um, that could be worth two cents. Somebody might even go, ooh, that's a whole nickel right there. Or they might just say, yeah, that's not even worth half a penny. That's on the hearer. So, But um, the days ahead are focused on a, a renewed... Um, a, re- a renewed intensity on the basics, the basics that define us, that tell us not only who we are, but whose we are. And I think going forward's got some some real potential to it. And it's but it's our our diligence, our commitment to seek that through. And I think it's there. I think it's here in First Marion. I think it's here in other churches. And it's just it's a matter of it's a matter of cultivating that, promoting that. And um, it's one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do. Yes, indeed. And and I, and I, I agree with you. I've, I've had a real keen sense of last week and this week as we've been working on some things, planning for the future here of the Holy Spirit at work, just things falling into place, uh, coincidences happening, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's uh, the future is certainly bright. And full of potential and possibilities, and and I've been thinking, you know, uh, as I as I, I've looked at a lot of the history of this church specifically, and and there there are some times in this church that you say, wow, that was really God really worked during this time or that time. Uh, I've I've just had a real uh, a real sense that the the best days for First Marion are ahead of us, not yeah. behind us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, God, God is is going to do something, and He's going to He's going to use us and let us be a part of it. Um, a friend, of, a friend of mine, um, who was in I was in the doctoral program with at Wesley Seminary. She is out of uh, the Iowa Annual Conference, and in her jurisdiction, she was Iowa's nominee for bishop, and she was elected. She is now bishop over the Minnesota and Dakotas area. Um, just sharp beyond sharp. I mean, just so impressed. And uh, had a chance to watch. When someone's elected bishop, you're, you're escorted to the stage, you're introduced, and you have an opportunity to say a few words. Um, this, is, this is tradition. This is practice. And I got to see her words. What, well, I got to hear her words and see the clip of her being elected and then being brought forward and being introduced. And she, um, she talked about how God is at work, God's moving, and that she said with such a, such a tone of sincerity, she said, oh, the best days of our church are ahead, not behind. And we keep striving toward that working toward that, seeking God in that. And and I believe that's true. So let's, you know, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm ready uh, to to move forward together, to to continue uh, a lot of the, continue a lot of things that we're doing. We're doing so many things, good things, and and then so many potential things on the horizon uh, to, to reach out more, to uh, be more of a presence in, in our community. But then one of the things that, that I love about the Methodist system of, of being connected, uh, we, we are not only a part of what happens here, but we're a part of 
what happens all over the world. Oh yeah. Uh, through our support of UMCOR and oh, yeah. other things, you know, um, and, and that's that's amazing. You know, just 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 on that note, you know, um, prayers and hearts go out to the folks in Turkey. Um, it is devastating to see those pictures. And as, as last night, last I checked, the uh, death toll was 7,900 people. Mm. Um, you know, one of the first groups that was there already just said, all right, what do we need to do? Was UMCOR. Yeah. Is UMCOR. Yeah. And they're there, and we're going to, to be trying to come alongside that as best we can as we learn and know what we can do. So, um. And that's that, you know, a group like UMCOR. There's just there's just not any there's just not any debate or issue or questions like that. Regardless of what we think about one, two, and three, we can all get behind UMCOR mm-hmm. and what UMCOR is doing to to bring relief and help to folks there in just some dire dire places of need. So I guess I'd say you know join us. Join us, yeah. You know, let, yeah. Let's let's move forward together. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk a little more specific uh, stuff about a relationship with Jesus next time, and that's good stuff though. It's all part of this, and so uh, hope fo- hope folks will join us and tune in because uh, there's just good stuff good stuff yet to come yeah so uh if you know if if it's your first episode listening to us go back and listen to the others we'll give you a lot of background of what's going on but uh you know i hope i hope these have been helpful informative and uh and and really i hope they'll just get you encouraged and excited uh for for the future together Uh, so like share comment all those things subscribe leave reviews anything you can do to help kind of spread the word uh about our podcast uh, we would appreciate that so much, and uh, and let us know. Got any questions, comments? Uh, you can find out how to reach us at the MarionFUMC.org. Uh, you can contact us from there. Um, just reach out, and we'll we'll reach out to you. So, I guess until next time. Till next time. Yeah.